This podcast is brought to you by the Reformed Witness Committee of Hope Protestant Reformed Church in Walker, Michigan. It is our goal to spread our distinct Protestant Reformed views based on the Word of God and the Reformed Confessions. We hope that this message is edifying to you. We read in God's Word this morning from Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Before we turn to the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 28, which explains the meaning of the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. We read from God's Word, Matthew 26, where we find Jesus instituting that Holy Supper. Matthew 26, verse 17 is where we begin our reading. Verse 17, and we read through verse 29. Matthew 26, 17 through 29. Now the first day of the feast of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to such a man, And say unto him, The master saith, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had appointed them, and they made ready the Passover. Now when the even was come, he sat down with the twelve. And as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful, and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed, it had been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? He said unto him, Thou hast said. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and blessed it, and brake it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup, and gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. We read that far in God's holy and inspired word. We turn now to the Heidelberg Catechism and its explanation of the sacraments the secondary means of faith, or means of grace. Return to Lord's Day 28 now, page 16, 
where we find the explanation of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ. How art thou admonished and assured in the Lord's Supper that thou art a partaker of that one sacrifice of Christ accomplished on the cross and of all his benefits? Thus, that Christ has commanded me and all believers to eat of this broken bread and to drink of this cup in remembrance of him, adding these promises. First, that his body was offered and broken on the cross for me and his blood shed for me as certainly as I see with my eyes the bread of the Lord broken for me and the cup communicated to me. And further, that He feeds and nourishes my soul to everlasting life with His crucified body and shed blood, as assuredly as I receive from the hands of the minister and taste with my mouth the bread and cup of the Lord as certain signs of the body and blood of Christ. What is it then to eat the crucified body and drink the shed blood of Christ? It is not only to embrace with a believing heart all the sufferings and death of Christ, and thereby to obtain the pardon of sin and life eternal, but also, besides that, to become more and more united to His sacred body by the Holy Ghost who dwells both in Christ and in us, so that we, though Christ is in heaven and we on earth, are notwithstanding flesh of His flesh and bone of His bone, and that we live and are governed forever by one Spirit, as members of the same body are by one soul. Where has Christ promised that He will as certainly feed and nourish believers with His body and blood as they eat of this broken bread and drink of this cup? In the institution of the supper, which is thus expressed, the Lord Jesus, the same night in which He was betrayed, took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, Take, eat, this is My body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of Me. After the same manner also He took the cup, when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. This promise is repeated by the Holy Apostle Paul, where he says, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, being many, are one bread and one body, because we are all partakers of that one bread. Dearly beloved, in the Lord Jesus Christ, we begin this morning by distinguishing between the sacrament of baptism on the one hand, and the sacrament of the Lord's Supper on the other. Baptism, which we have recently considered in the last two Sundays. Baptism, I remind you, is a sign and seal of entrance into 
covenant with God. It is a sign of the beginning of that covenant relationship with our God. It is a sign of being brought into fellowship with God and brought into fellowship with His church. Last week, I remind you, we spoke of baptism as a sign of regeneration. It's called the washing of regeneration. Not because baptism itself regenerates, but it is a sign and seal of the first implanting of life, the life of Jesus Christ in our souls. Just as you enter into covenant only once, so you're baptized once. Just as that seed of regeneration is planted in you once, so also you are baptized once. And today we focus now on the Lord's Supper. In distinction from baptism, while baptism pictures the entrance into covenant, the Lord's Supper is a sign and seal that pictures the experience or the enjoyment of that covenant through one's life. It pictures the continuing work of God as we live in fellowship in covenant with Him. It shows God continuing to strengthen and to nourish us and grow us in relationship with Him. Therefore, Lord's Supper happens repeatedly to show the continuing work of God with us. The Belgian Confession, Article 35, puts it this way, distinguishing the Lord's Supper from baptism as well. Jesus Christ did ordain and institute the sacrament of the supper to nourish and support those whom He hath already, meaning pictured by baptism, already regenerated and incorporated into His family, which is His church. Baptism shows the regeneration and incorporation into the church. The Lord's Supper shows the support and the nourishment of us who have been brought in. Simple illustration from creation is that baptism pictures Christ planting a seed of life in our souls. And Lord's Supper shows Christ feeding and nourishing so that that seed sprouts and grows as we grow in our Christian life. Both baptism and the Lord's Supper Signify the work of Jesus Christ. It's His saving work that both sacraments display. One is the display of Christ's first work in us. and The other is the display of His continuing work. In studying for the past sermons on baptism, in studying for this sermon on the Lord's Supper, I am struck, and I want you to be struck as well, by how the sacraments clearly answer many of the questions that we may have had in the past few years during controversy. 
The sacraments bring us back to the fundamentals of the Christian faith. And the sacraments have a way of not only teaching, but making it simple in illustrating to us these concepts that we need to have clear in our minds. The sacraments bring us back to the simple truths of God's Word, which we may have mixed up in our minds. Baptism, as we saw last week, shows us, it proves to us that Christ's work is both and, not either or, but both His blood covering the guilt of our sin and His Spirit washing away the power, that powerful old man of sin from the throne of our hearts. That's Christ's work. It's not either or, but both and Christ's work for us and in us. And the fundamental thought in the Lord's Supper as we begin to consider this morning, is that the Lord's Supper pictures for us the experience, the experience of covenant fellowship with God. It's a familiar expression that we have thought of and have been, has been brought up. How do we experience fellowship with God? Well, the Lord's Supper displays it. We only have to go back to the Lord's Supper and understand what it is teaching us. The sign of the Lord's Supper shows us, not by my works. That's not through the instrument of my works that I experience fellowship with God, but because of Jesus Christ alone, His broken body and shed blood. And by faith. By faith alone. Is the instrument through which I experience fellowship with God. And that faith we see in the sacrament this morning is not some passive faith. It is a faith that takes and eats Jesus Christ. The sacrament of the Lord's Supper displays such truths, illustrates them very simply to us. Cherish the sacraments, beloved. God is teaching us to cherish the sacraments, the simple truths of God displayed therein, there in those sacraments that we have had before our eyes for many, many, many years. Consider with me this basic doctrine of the Lord's Supper as the Catechism explains it in Lord's Day 28. The Lord's Supper, experiencing fellowship with God, first the sign, second the seal, and then finally the calling. The sign, the seal, and then the calling. The Lord's Supper, like baptism, is called a sign. A seal also, that's the second point, but a sign. In the first question of Lord's Day 28, the word that goes along with the word sign is the word admonished. Admonished. We are admonished and assured. Admonished is literally reminds or reminded. We are reminded or taught again for the refreshing of our memories through this picture of the Lord's Supper. And there are three distinct aspects of the Lord's Supper 
that we must remind ourselves about. There are, first of all, there is first of all the table of the Lord's Supper. There is second, the bread and wine broken and poured out in the Lord's Supper. And there is third, the distribution and partaking of that same bread and wine. Each of these three aspects of the Lord's Supper signify for us the spiritual reality and the experience of fellowship with God. First, there is the table. The table symbolizes fellowship. The, ta- the table is meant to symbolize the communion itself that God has with us as people and that He gives to us to enjoy and experience. When Jesus Christ instituted the Lord's Supper, notice that in the passage that we read, Matthew chapter 26, Jesus Christ celebrated and instituted the Lord's Supper at a table. We know that because it was during the meal of the Passover in the upper room. He called the disciples to set up a table in that upper room. And there at the, a, a dining table where they probably lay down on their sides to eat, Jesus instituted that Lord's Supper. That the table is significant is also proven from 1 Corinthians 10 verse 21. In 1 Corinthians 10 verse 21, we find the Lord's Supper called the Lord's table. We are partakers of the Lord's table. In order to draw attention to the Lord's table, many churches in the past have celebrated the Lord's Supper by gathering the congregation around a table so that the table was more central and more obvious to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And there is something profitable about that, though quite impractical for a bigger congregation. It's not a requirement that we gather around a table, but it is important that we notice a table upon which the elements of the bread and wine are. Because the table is a symbol of fellowship. Think, children. For most of you, even on this Sunday afternoon, where do you fellowship with your family? Fellowship means share. Where do you share a meal? Share food and drink. Where do you share conversation one with another? Share words of comfort. You share it around a table that has been a symbol of fellowship for a long time, even in Bible times. At the Lord's Supper, it's as though God gathers His family, His spiritual family, and Jesus gathers His brothers and sisters just as He did with His disciples before His death in Matthew 26. And He says, come, enjoy My fellowship around My table. Experience that. The second aspect of the Lord's Supper is the breaking of the bread and the pouring out of the wine. 
at the table with his disciples in Matthew 26, verse 26, Jesus is said to take that bread and having given thanks, he broke that bread. He broke it visibly before the eyes of the disciples. And though it's not explicit, he probably poured out the wine. And even if he didn't pour out the wine, the point is that the disciples saw the redness of the wine. The breaking of that bread and the redness of the wine. That's important in the Lord's Supper. Those are visible signs. And you know the significance of that. The bread broken pictures Christ's body broken for us. And the wine, that red wine pictures the shedding of Christ's red blood for us. 1 Corinthians 11.26 says, You do show the Lord's death till He come. That's what's being shown at the Lord's table. His death. This do in remembrance of Me. The symbol of the breaking of bread and the pouring out of the red wine is a picture of what Christ has already done. It's a picture of His one sacrifice on the cross. And we ought to be thinking about that today. That's the heart of the Gospel. We ought to be thinking about that whenever we see the elements being broken. The Catechism says in question and answer 75 that His body was offered and broken on the cross for me and His blood shed for me. Remember that today. Remember that every Lord's Supper. We think, about, we think upon the agony of Jesus Christ as He was in the Garden of Gethsemane anticipating the cross. We think of the blood that came out of His sweat pores like the blood in is pictured in the cup. We think upon the crown of thorns that were pressed into his skull so that that blood came flowing down his face. We think about the whips that went into his back so that his back was broken and blood poured out. We think upon those nails that were hammered into his hands and to his feet so that the, the, the flesh was broken and the blood was poured out. We think upon the suffering as he hung, hang, he was hanged upon the cross, the literal suffocation that took place, and the wrath of God that was poured into his soul. All this was the breaking of Jesus Christ for us, for our sins. Done. Finished. Completed 2,000 years ago. Covered. Forgiven for His sake. I relate that to the first point about the Lord's Supper. I said the table is a picture of fellowship with your God. As a sinner, you and I, we have no right to come in fellowship with God around His table. We ought to be rejected, kept out, kept out of His kingdom, kept out of His fellowship. 
to endure the wrath and hell separated from God forever. But the breaking of the bread and the shedding or the pouring out of the wine shows the only way, the basis, the ground for fellowship with God. This is the only reason we have the right to gather around God's table and fellowship with Him as sinners. Jesus Christ alone. His one sacrifice. And because He has completed that, He has finished suffering for us, He says, come. Come. Fellowship. Enjoy. Experience fellowship knowing for my sake you have access. You have access to God. I am your Emmanuel. God with us. God with you. I bring you into fellowship on the basis of my broken body and shed blood. Third, the first aspect of the Lord's Supper is the table showing communion, fellowship with God. The second, the breaking of that bread and pouring of the wine showing the basis for fellowship with God. Third, the distribution and partaking of that bread and wine. In Matthew 26, verse 26, Jesus does this. He gave he distributed to His disciples those elements, the bread and wine, at His table. And in distributing, in distributing them, He told them, now take, take the bread and eat it. Take the cup and drink ye all of it. This do in remembrance of Me. And so also in our communion services, Jesus Christ calls us to this. And so, the representatives of Jesus Christ, the minister and the elders, now distribute the elements as Jesus would to you. And you take those elements, eating and drinking. That's a sign. That's a picture. Don't just do that. those actions. Don't just look at those actions, but think of the picture that Jesus Christ is showing us in the Lord's Supper. Answer 75 explains the meaning he, that is Christ, feeds and nourishes my soul to everlasting life with His crucified body and shed blood as assuredly as I receive from the hands of the minister and taste with my mouth the bread and cup of the Lord. When the minister gives and the elders give, we ought to be thinking, Christ freely, He freely gives of Himself to me. He freely joins Himself to me. He has not only earned all of salvation 2,000 years ago, He has done that, but more in the supper, He shows Himself Applying, applying all the blessings of salvation to us freely. All the blessings that are in Him. And so it is to empty hands 
that He gives the bread and wine. And to empty mouths that He gives the bread and wine to show that He gives Himself freely to us all the blessings and those empty hands and that empty mouth that receives Jesus Christ at the supper. Picture faith. The Belgian Confession, Article 35, describes faith as the hand and mouth of the soul. He gives that faith. He works that faith, both the will and the act of it. And it's through that faith that we enjoy all the blessings of salvation and fellowship with our God. There's a beautiful simplicity to that sacrament. Don't forget those three main points clearly illustrated. Table fellowship. Broken body, shed blood, the basis for that fellowship. Distribution, partaking, Christ freely giving the blessings of salvation through faith alone. Delve into that just for a few moments and recognize how pertinent such doctrines are. The Lord's Supper with that table is all about experiencing fellowship with God, enjoying all the blessings of salvation. What is the basis? Jesus alone. What's the instrument through which we receive Faith alone. The answer is clear. The hand and mouth picture faith. Taking, drinking, eating Christ and all the blessings that are in Him. Notice at the Lord's Supper, I said the the hand and mouth are empty. The hand does not come to the Lord's Supper with money. After the Lord's Supper, there is the giving of thanks with offerings. It doesn't come to pay to put it very frankly, to make it very blunt, when the elders come and distribute the bread and wine, they're not collecting the offering at the same time. You're not paying for the bread and wine. You're not either like Cain bringing some fruit of the ground that pictures your good works. Look, I'm I'm giving of my good works to receive Jesus Christ for my nourishment and any of the blessings of salvation that are in Him. No. At the Lord's Supper, what is being demonstrated and what we are saying is nothing in my hands I bring, but simply to the cross I cling. In Jesus Christ, by faith alone, I receive all the blessings of salvation. By faith alone, I experience this fellowship with God. But notice too, at the Lord's Supper, though the, faith, though the hand and mouth are empty, they're active. 
Because faith is not utterly passive. Faith is believing. And to put it very bluntly and frankly, to illustrate it, the elders do not come to you with the bread and shove it down your throats. They don't do that. Neither do they take the wine in a syringe and a needle and shove it into your arm. That would be passive. But rather, they distribute the elements to show that we receive the blessings of salvation through faith, which is an active instrument. We experience justification. We experience sanctification. We experience preservation. We experience assurance. We experience joy and peace and nourishment as we, by faith alone, draw, cling, look, take, eat of Jesus Christ alone. Beloved, that's not only what is taking place at the supper, but what we see at the Lord's Supper is a picture of the Christian life. It's so real. Don't only think about four times a year. And that is when we receive by faith the blessings of salvation and enjoy experience of fellowship with God. It's not just four times a year. Four times a year, it is pictured to us what we are enjoying day by day by day. After you sin every day, beloved. After you sin. And you feel guilty for your sin. And you want to know your forgiveness and be confirmed in that forgiveness for Jesus' sake alone. How do you experience that forgiveness which is the beginning of the experience of fellowship with God? How do you experience peace in your heart? By faith, the hand and mouth of the soul as illustrated in the Lord's Supper. Cling to Jesus Christ. Eat Him and Him crucified. Let that be a conscious activity of the soul. There is justification experienced in your heart. Assurance of forgiveness. That's how Christ works. When you feel weak, you feel weak. Weak to fight a specific sin, perhaps. Weak because you're tired after an overwhelming week of work. Weak because you don't know whether you can face cancer tomorrow. You don't know whether you can face the results of what might be this next week. Spiritually weak because you know you cannot fight the battle of faith on your own. How do you experience strength the Lord's Supper tells you, remember not only your baptism, remember the Lord's Supper. Every day, by faith, the hand and mouth of the soul, cling to Jesus Christ, look to Him, depend on Him alone. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Look not to your own willpower. 
Cling not to your works. Don't either, like stalks and blocks, run through life presumptuously expecting spiritual strength to be injected into you or shoved down your throat. But believe. Believe. Consciously. Actively by the power of Him who works in you. Both the will and the act of this believing also. Eat and drink Jesus Christ every day. The Lord's Supper shows you the Christian life. Or as Paul said many times, and Scripture says many times, the just shall live by faith. That sums up what the Supper illustrates. It's the life of the Christian. The sacrament of the Lord's Supper is not only a sign, it's a seal. In question 75, the word is admonished. Admonished goes with sign, and then you find the word assured. Admonished and assured. And that word assured goes with the word seal. The Lord's Supper, God uses as His means to strengthen faith, even to strengthen the assurance of faith. Answer 75 actually emphasizes that. It speaks not only of the meaning of the sacrament, but of the assurance that God gives with that sacrament. Adding these promises, we read, And then notice the as certainly as. We've seen that phrase before. As certainly as. That His body was offered and broken on the cross for me and His blood shed for me. As certainly as. I see with my eyes the bread of the Lord broken for me and the cup communicated to me. Children, young people, you can understand this And you can even profit from this before you make confession of faith and actually take the bread and wine. So you need to listen as well. As certainly as. It's very simple. God makes the Lord's Supper simple. When you look, when you see the minister break that bread, and you see the redness of that wine as it's poured out or in the hands of your parents or in your own hand. When you see it, the sense of sight God uses. Are you sure you see it? Do you see it? Move your body and your head so you can see it. Are you sure you see that bread broken? Are you sure you see that redness of wine? You say, yes. So surely, or as certainly, Jesus says in the Lord's Supper, so surely did Jesus break His body and shed His blood for you. That's the promise attached to the Lord's Supper. As we come believing, trusting, He strengthens our faith with that promise.
Then he uses the sense of touch. Do you feel, are you sure you feel that, that bread in your fingers? That cup in your hand? And those come trusting in Jesus Christ. God says, I promise to you that as surely as you feel that bread and that cup, so sure can you be that I give you myself. You belong to me and I to you. And all the blessings of salvation in me. What about the sense of taste? Do you, do you taste the simple sugars of the bread? Do you taste the sourness, the sweetness of the wine? Do you feel it on your tongue, go down your throat? Are you sure, so sure, God says to you who come by faith, that I feed and I nourish you, your soul into everlasting life to strengthen you day by day? For the battle of faith that you must fight. And with those promises enjoined to the Lord's Supper, there's a sealing, you see. There is a strengthening of faith and the strengthening of assurance in the soul. The Lord's Supper has often been compared to a wedding ring, and that's a good illustration. Jesus Christ, like the husband of his church, his wife, does not only say as he does today in the preaching, I love you. I love you, my people. I love you. I've shed my blood for you. Broken my body for you. He says that. Powerfully he does. You belong unto me. I unite myself to you. I pour forth upon you the blessings of myself, my salvation. I forgive you. He not only says that, but it's like a husband giving a ring to his wife at the Lord's table. With this ring, I vow, I promise to love you and cherish you forever. Or as the Lord's Supper form says, be assured with this supper like a ring of my hearty love and faithfulness toward you, the sinner. You struggle with assurance. You struggle with doubts. Yes, you believe. You're sorry for your sins. There's struggles sometimes in the child of God's life. With doubts. And so, the child of God with a struggle and assurance might say, then I, maybe, maybe I shouldn't come to the Lord's table. That's the wrong conclusion. 
That's the wrong conclusion. The opposite is the case. Because we know that God with the Lord's Supper strengthens our assurance, helps our doubts, is the very reason that we come, repent and believe and come. And that's the folly of the Netherlands Reform idea, you see. With the concept of needing a special experience so that one may be sure of their salvation and then partake of the Lord's Supper. It's backwards. It's backwards. The Lord's Supper, God uses to strengthen our assurance. And when a church withholds from God's people the Lord's Supper, the church robs God's people of the very assurance that God gives with that supper. To put it more strongly, the very experience, the very special experience even that's needed is at the Lord's Supper. Not some extraordinary experience that some might get in a Pentecostal feeling outside. With the supper in God's house at his table, with God himself saying and demonstrating in the picture, I love you, be sure of my love. The benefit which God gives with this sign and with this seal are real. It's God's way of assuring his people. It's also, as we partake of the Lord's Supper, the manner in which God joins us closer to Jesus Christ. There's mystery here that I cannot fully understand. The Catechism describes that as a benefit of the seal of the Lord's Supper. Answer 76, to become more and more united to His sacred body by the Holy Ghost, which dwells both in Christ and in us. There's a mystery here. It's on the basis of Scripture. John 6, verse 56, Jesus says, He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. As we come to the Lord's Supper, not only with our physical mouths and with our physical hands, but by faith, the hand and mouth of the soul. There is such a strengthening of faith that the Holy Spirit accomplishes that the bond that unites us to Jesus Christ gets stronger we're already united to Jesus Christ. can never fall away. But the bond that unites us to Jesus Christ gets stronger. We draw nearer to Him and Him to us. Nearer to His side we press where all is well. 
faith is strengthened. Not only faith's knowledge, not only faith's confidence or assurance, but even faith's bond. And if that union with Christ is strengthened more and more, then the Catechism also says, union among the members of the church is also strengthened. That's the last part of answer 76. That we live and are governed forever by one spirit as members of the same body are by one soul. It's talking about the unity. The unity of God's people in the church. As that faith is strengthened and we're united more and more to Jesus Christ in the gospel. As we partake of the same gospel, there is a a unifying effect the Spirit causes upon our souls so that we want to love one another more. We're willing to overlook the sins of the brother. We'll feel a bond, a mysterious bond with brother and sister in the church. We want to reach out to those who we know are lonely. God does that as He unites us more and more to Jesus Christ. And one more benefit not mentioned by the supper, by the catechism, but integral to the supper is joy. Joy. That's one of the immediate, the immediate effects by the Holy Spirit pictured in the wine, isn't it? The wine has a natural effect upon our bodies. And it's not that that I'm talking about. That's not the joy itself. But the effect of the wine upon our bodies symbolizes it pictures that which God is doing in our hearts. When the gospel, when the gospel is presented in the word and at the Holy Supper, and we receive that gospel by faith, there's not only peace and there's not only comfort, and we know we're united to Jesus Christ and forgiven, but there is a thrill, a thrill within our souls. Joy. Joy. The Belgian Confession puts it this way In a word, we're excited by the use of this holy sacrament to a fervent love toward God and our neighbor. We're excited. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless His holy name. The supper. The supper of the Lord calls us, commands us even, to celebrate. This means, of course, that the church must ensure that the Lord's Supper is administered, that the leaders here ensure that it's administered properly. The second mark of a true church. It especially means that you, as members of this church, partake by faith. You're called to. You're commanded to. That it is an institution means that Jesus has commanded you to. 
The catechism's explicit. Answer 75, Christ has commanded me and all believers to eat, to drink. To neglect the partaking of the Lord's Supper is to disobey. It's not optional. Jesus calls you to it. He calls you to a privilege of enjoying this fellowship with Him by faith. You come, you come, young people. You obey Christ. Confess your faith. You do not delay in that confession of faith. Come. Christ commands you to. And may His Word be such, and this morning too, that you hear Jesus calling irresistibly to believe in Him and to come to His supper as He commands you to. Close with a word from the form for the Lord's Supper. We come by faith, but we come not claiming that our faith is so strong. Yes, that faith is supposed to be an active faith, which discerns the Lord's body, but it's not to show how strong our faith is. Remember what the Lord's Supper form says. And I encourage, I encourage you, young people, young adults. It doesn't say come with a stronger faith than someone else. It says rather this, we come, we do not come to this supper to testify thereby that we are perfect and righteous of ourselves. Rather, we have many infirmities and miseries in ourselves as namely this that we have not perfect faith. We come to the Lord's Supper in obedience to Jesus Christ. Not to claim we have perfect faith. On the contrary, we come to the Lord's Supper confessing that our faith is so weak. And leaning upon Jesus Christ to strengthen that faith. So come as He commands. Be confident that He who is the author and finisher of your faith will do what He says He will do with His Word, and at the sacrament. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. It is our hope that it was edifying to you. Please subscribe to our podcast. We publish daily meditations, Heidelberg Catechism Lord's Day sermons on Wednesdays, and topical podcasts on Fridays. You can find more information about us at our website, hopeprchurch.org, and you can email us with any questions or feedback at hope rwc at gmail dot com. Thank you.